and welcome to the Everyday Board Game Podcast with your hosts, Daniel. And Daniel. Daniel, we are in the final episode of our top 100 games of all time. Oh my gosh, are you excited as I am? Uh, I am now that I got my coffee. Now that you got your coffee, it's about time. Because, (laughs) you know what, these past 80 games that we just talked about over the past few episodes, you can just ignore them. They don't matter. Because these are the 20 that really do matter. And these are going to be the best games of all time. I'm curious how many crossovers will hit both of our 20s. I doubt many. None. You you think zero? Uh, okay, I say two. I I know there's definitely going to be some. Games and I that, think that because I what, that you have, I think one of them uh-huh. is not going to be the same game. Interesting. Okay, I'm curious to say the least, but I think this will be a very interesting list. Um, some of the ones that we want to point out from our previous episode, obviously, my Gloomhaven. It's number 35, which upset you quite quite thoroughly. And uh, I included Shobu, which I know you hated as well. But you also had Thanos Rise, or Star Wars Rising. Hey, hey, hey. It's good, but... Eh, it's a fine. phenomenal game. It's fine. It's okay for what it is. <laughs> so, let's go into this. We have our Die of Doom. We're going to jump right in, because we know this is going to be a longer episode. We're going to be talking about 40 games, mm-hmm. potentially. Woohoo! I start, start again. Yep. <laughs> Yesterday was all you, today is all me. Let's do it. All right. I get the last one. Well, it's not going to be that good, but I already know what your number one is. You know what my number I one is. I think there might be a surprise. You'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, starting with my number 20. And this one is a probably going to start the run of Stonemaier games on my list. Uh, I know there's a couple that already hit, oh, but there there's there's a bunch of top 20s in this. or There's a bunch of Stonemaier on this top 20. Uh, this one is probably one of the heavier Stonemaier games, and it's not really that heavy. But this one is Tapestry. Tapestry. Okay. I really dig it. I, I don't consider it a civilization game. It's got some civilization aspects to it, but to me, it's a pure and simple engine builder. Um, there's a lot of great things that you can do based on your civilizations, or I think that's what it, your civilizations that you can start with that give you special abilities. That's pretty much the basis of the civilization part of the game, really. Um, but I love the fact that the board plays each side. So if you're really into being militaristic, then exploration is going to be your friend because you want to build as much territory as possible to get your points that way. Your technology is going to work with your science. Both mm-hmm. of those are going to grow because um, they're on the opposite sides of the board. Uh, I think it's one of the best produced games because of those painted minis that come with it. I have I know some issues with it because they don't, quite cover they're not squared out so you can't really see exactly how they cover the board but i really enjoy them and i know some people have 3d printed versions where they could just clip the bases into and you get them squared out so they look better on your uh, capital map i like the the little abstract game that you're playing on the capital map where you're trying to fill in a cube and lines and columns this way you can get your points and you're trying to pull things off so you can get more resources to keep going on the game there there's a lot of moving parts on this game and i enjoy the mess out of it i enjoy playing it um it's got a decent solo mode uh like most stonemeyer games it's not my favorite out of the stonemeyer games but it's not my least favorite either but this one is phenomenal and that is tapestry cool uh yeah the that one's probably my favorite stonemeyer game 
that Jamie Stegmeyer has designed. Really? Because Charterstone was on your list. Good point. <laughs> but I, I don't own Tapestry. So yeah. I wouldn't have made my list regardless. Uh, but I did actually really enjoy that one. Yeah. It's, it's it's one of my favorites. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. Yeah, good pick. Uh, my number 20, I already know you hate. <laughs> like, let's just start off right right now. It's the other city building game that you referenced. Oh, it's like Quadropolis. Yeah, no, you you didn't give it enough chances, but that is uh, suburbia. Well, you keep make me play with AP prone players. Yep, I know, and that's that is a problem. <laughs> you need to stop volunteering to play with them. You should just be like, no. <laughs> hey, just... don't play with them. No, you have AP. You, it's just you it's, think too much. I don't like you. I, you smell. Like I, I have issues. <laughs> I have issues with like people who min max that take sure. forever on their turn. When I'm yeah. just like, let me let me go. I want to do my turn. I well, want to play the game too. You and I will play a two player game. Whatever. It'll be fine. Yeah, no, it's okay. It's, I just I like Quadropolis better because it's simpler. Yep. No, I I and I don't blame you on that as well. I like the me- some of the mechanisms in that, but I mean the way that this all works together. I like the. Uh, the, the snowballing effect where you're trying to get your population to score a certain number of, of points in every turn, you're going to score points based on your population, you know, and you're going to get money that'll hopefully help it as well. But I love how it compounds and every turn you're getting points based on that. That's super cool. I like how every building is unique and how it all scores in different ways. You have objectives that are public and then private objectives as well. I like how Different styles of buildings work in different ways. There's obviously very... I can see why he works with uh, Jamie Stegmeier in different games as well. It, it's so cool. It's so neat how how uh, Ted Allspach, I believe, is the designer of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah games. Yeah, it, it's one of the coolest games I've ever seen. And I've... It took me a long time to play it. And then when I finally did, um, it was fantastic. So, Yeah. I, I can't tell you more about it, but it's yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> so, um, let's move on to my number 19, and I think this is going to be higher on your list. Okay. This is one of the, uh, now that I'm looking at it, I think there may be three crossovers, sort of. But I know for sure this one is going to be on your list. And this is the highest rated push your luck game on my list. And at number 19, this one is formerly of North Star Games. I think someone else has the rights to it now. Um, and that is The Quacks of Quinlanburg. I have a fond memory of playing this game with our group. It's it's <laughs> of just us egging on each other the entire game. Uh, I, I see you got two there. Uh, I'll pull one if you pull one. Let's go. Let's go. And I have a great time playing this one. I don't do very well at it because I, I get into the peer pressure and have a great time playing this. But even when you push your luck and it blows up in your face, you, you're not, you don't get a reward or something like that. It's not like you're out of the game. You can still get something out of it. So I really, really enjoy Quacks of Quinlinburg. It's also very pretty. I really love the upgrade stuff that you can get off BG, uh, uh, board game geek store uh, it's phenomenal uh it's to the fact that even though there's two copies in my game group i'm figuring i might get a copy of it because i think my other game group will enjoy it just as much i think so yeah this one always <laughs> hits on every cylinder yeah it, we'll see if it's later on on my list oh it is i just i know it is my number 19 is a worker placement game that i showed you and i i think you liked quite a bit i know it's not on your <laughs> list 
but either the original version, which was made like 20 years ago or something, or the newer upgraded version, Kalis 1303, I combine wow. those together. I think it's such a neat game how it works. It's good. How you have like the whole the whole strand of uh, buildings that you're building out. I love the new art and the new way it, it works for that. You're basically getting resources, trying to trade them in. It's one of those things. I, I like resource management games, but I appreciate it more when each of the resources has a purpose. And so like this has obviously a clear rarity thing, but certain parts of the castle, certain buildings need resources that make sense to why you're building it. And so I love the way that works. And the provost is one of the funniest pieces. Like <laughs> it's just moving it up or down and just causing complete shenanigans. shenanigans. Yeah. Like causing buildings to not trigger. How interactive is that? I have to say 1303 is much prettier than the original much. because Andrew Bosley art, which made me yes. think, um, you watched it, that uh, I think it's what, Unconscious Minds with, with Vincent Dutre and oh, yeah. um, Andrew Bosley art. Yep. Already has me intrigued. I know I didn't really pay attention to the game, but when they said, "Hey, these two artists are in here," I'm like, "Ekumi." Go on. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, he the remake of it streamlined, beautiful, mm-hmm. really fantastic. I can't encourage it more more than enough. Kalis, I I don't think Kalis would have been this high had that reprint not been made. Yeah, and I still in own the streamlining both. of it. Yeah. Yep. Um, I do like it. I think it made it. It was in the 285 somewhere around there. I'll have to look at it later, but. I enjoyed it, but I think I need more plays of it to really, sure. really judge it. There there are a few where I know I'm going to really like it. In this one, it's because it's a heavier worker placement. It's i got to play it a couple more times. Yeah. So that's, that's your number 19? Number 19. Let's move on to my number 18, and this is my highest dexterity game. And you know which one it is. Lupin Louie. No. I'm no. It's no, uh, that, Rhino I, Hero. No. Really? Yeah. Not Rhino Hero. No, Rhino Hero didn't even make my top 100. Wow. Which dexterity game do you like better than Rhino I'll, I'll give you a hint. We played a big version of it at a local con. A giant version of it. You already said con. Pitch Car. Giant version, not giant Jenga. There's no way. No, no, no. Oh, tumbling dice, <laughs> tumbling dice. That was a massive version. It was probably like 16 feet long. Yeah, it was huge, and you're throwing inflatable dice. Yeah, I love tumbling dice. It. If I'm playing a party game, it's the one thing I'm pulling out. If you have enough dice for a big group of people, uh, different color dice at that, mm-hmm. then you'll you'll have a blast with it because you're just you're flinging the dice down the board and trying to score your points, but other people are trying to knock you off. And not let you score your points. It's phenomenal. I have a homemade version of it, a friend made for me, and I it I love it. It's sitting in the closet because there's not shelf space for it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's protected and safe, and I bust it out quite frequently when I have people over, um, big groups, or um, some friends I'll lend it to where they if they have like a work convention or something like that that they got to do, they take that. It's a good icebreaker game, uh, and it's it's just fun and when i make something about the on this list i'm talking about like something that's pure fun this is probably the purest fun game on this list case in point when we're talking about the giant version we played at a local con it shouldn't have been as fun as it was because it's basically like um insulation board and some pipes and some inflatable dice and we were we were giggling like little kids and playing that game and having a good time it was phenomenal i really enjoy this one and it had to be in my top 20 yep 
No, it was fantastic. I'm so glad that they made it. And that's the only like massive version of that that I've ever seen. Yeah, they, uh, they, and it's so. because someone made it. Yep, it was really good. Uh, my number 18 is a game you absolutely loathe. That doesn't say much. Uh, that, that doesn't limit it down. <laughs> uh, and I just played uh, a, a sequel to it recently with a, with a friend of mine. It's Power Grid. I don't loathe the game. I loathe the person who te- taught me the game. I want to show you. <laughs> I want to show you Power Grid for Sparks. I really do. It is the it is like the newer streamlined version of Power Grid. It does everything that Power Grid had that was really neat, and then adds like it, it streamlines it down to where it's almost like you know a middleweight game, but then. It adds new effects. So, like in in the original Power Grid, you had uh, you had just the power plants, and yeah. you were buying the resources for it. In this newer version, the power plants that you're buying also has like action cards and abilities that you can use that give you the ability. It takes one of your spots, so you're not getting resources for it. Yeah, but you have these extra abilities. Like you could hold like a fourth one, or for example, you might be able to have uh, like be able to like break in ties and stuff and like do all these neat things and special abilities that you can only do with that. If you invent fire, your food doesn't expire. You know, like it's just where normally it would expire. It's so neat. And Power Grid does a great job of implementing it. It's one of the smartest games. It's a lot to take in. It's definitely a heavy game. And there's multiple rounds where like you have to go in reverse turn order, then mm-hmm. normal turn order. And you have to manage your money. And you got to make sure make someone sure teaches you, right you properly. And make sure someone teaches you properly. It's so good. It had to be up on my top twenty. How, I, number eighteen <laughs> is Power Grid. Go on. What's your number seventeen? So I just have a question for you. How how many people can Power Grid hold? Six. We played a full contingent. There were six people that yep. gave you a death glare. <laughs> yeah, it happens. <laughs> You, would three, you be willing to try first spark though? I, I would. Uh, I'd just say that like three of those six people have not touched it since because my wife was about to kill you. Well, now we know. <laughs> this isn't the only instance where your wife is about to kill me. Well, we we don't talk about that other incident. <laughs> Which one? When she was about to take the guitar and bash it over your head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the 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 stories behind that. <laughs> All right, what's your number 17? My number 17 is another Stonemeyer game. Okay. Shock, shock. Also, probably the newest one on this list. Yeah, because I think it recently, I think it just came out recently. Um, it's based off a book series. Okay. And it's based off, uh, yeah, it sort of plays like Fantasy Realms, and that's Red Rising. Mm-hmm. I dig this game. I know a lot of people don't like it because they compare it to Red Rising. And I have issues with the the... The collector's edition, because the metal tokens are very close to color, and they're really good about their colorblindness, Normal. to the point where yeah. I may get me a basic copy just to get the the regular pieces and put that in there as well. So if some people want to play, if they have issues, they'll have both versions. But I really love the, the collector's edition when it comes to the cards. I love the gold foil on the gold cards mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Very simple. You play a card out, and you pick up another card. You take their abilities, you know, do abilities and stuff like that. Wherever you play, you take the location ability, whether it's uh, increasing yourself on the fleet, uh, increasing yourself in uh, getting more helium, or getting um, 
uh, I forget what the other two are. I can't think of the top of my. Or putting them in the the one area. It's like an area control spot. Whoever has the most gets most points there. And then there's another section that I can't think about. But then you can also scout. So you could take two cards and play and to take the location area. Um, because you don't really want to get rid of what you already have on your board because it fits and there's just massive amount of ways to play and this is probably one of my favorite solo play games as well the 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 atoma for this one is phenomenal and it's difficult and sometimes i like solo games to be difficult to the the challenge me and this one it it has varying levels so easy is somewhat easy i still have some times where i lose at on easy mode but medium and higher just it trounces me. I think I beat it on medium once, and then um, I have not beat it on the hard mode. It's it's a difficult game when it comes to solo play, but I have a blast with it. I I'm, I'm a fan of the books. I've only read the first one. I need to read the others um, mm. because it was a weird window. I got it free like on Kindle or something like that, and it was right between like six months before the second book was going to come out. And I just totally forgot about the second book, but I dig it. I I love the series. Um, and so I'm wanting to get back into the book series and read it, but I have a massive time play or enjoyment of playing this game, even with solo. Very cool. And that is 17 red rising. My number 17 is an abstract strategy and not even the last one on my top 100 but it is the highest of the gift series and I'm leaving. i like this one a lot all right have a good night um <laughs> my number 17 is yinch which what sets it apart from the other abstract strategy games and why i like it so much is that you have these discs and the discs are the three pieces you move when you play <laughs> when you play or when you move a piece you move it as far as you want down a straight line of course not going off the board sorry any pieces that you cross during that travel flips over to the other side. So, it, and they're white or black. And so, if I jump over one of my own pieces, it flips to yours. If I jump over one of yours, it flips to my side. And you're trying to get five in a row of your color. Then, so obviously you add the one, you, you jump over, and you're trying to make these great combinations. But when you complete one of those, you remove one of your discs from the board. First one to remove three of your discs from the board wins but that's what's so cool about it is that these rings i'm sorry i call them discs but these rings that you're moving around the board as you get better and better and as you get ahead you have fewer options to play off of which actually scales it up it makes it gives you a slight disadvantage which i appreciate games that do that if you're that much better you can't snowball you're going to have fewer options to go off of than your opponent so they have a slight ability to 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 catch up because of that it's absolutely fantastic i have actually had people request this back at the game shop uh numerous times seems like every time i bring it though they don't show up it's kind (laughs) of weird but yinch is absolutely fantastic game the best in the gift series number 17 that's it no comment i know you hate abstract (laughs) in fact i was just looking on it there's not a single abstract strategy game that made my top 100. Same with like me and Roll and Write. Yeah. Like it's, just a, it's fine. Uh, so my number 16 is not a Roll and Write or abstract strategy for that matter. Oh, and this is a... <laughs> hey, look, another worker placement. Oh. Uh, this one's a worker placement tableau building with animals. 
Everdale. Everdale. Yep. I knew this was going to be high on the list. I I love the cutesiness factor of it. I enjoy it. It's a game that I can bust out and play with my wife because she enjoys the, the little animals. And she likes playing, which is funny. They're the bad guys if you play the solo play, the rats. Mm-hmm. But she always plays the, the black ones, which are the rats, because she loves uh, rats and rodents. And so it's funny when we play it. But I, I really dig this game. Um, there's five expansions. There's two more coming out here soon with the big box. Um, I, we, I've talked about it a lot, so I don't want to go too much detail about it. Um, but it has one of the most useless uh, component in the game. And we talk about that a lot. Mm-hmm. It's the tree, the Everdell tree. I actually have two trees. I have the original cardboard one and I have the wood one. Both of them are built outside the box, sitting up at the very top of one, sitting up at the very top of the shelf, and one sitting over on my other smaller shelf where I keep my small games at. Because it's just they're a pain in the butt to build and store in the box, so I just keep them out. And in fact, one of the expansions gave you a board piece to replace the tree. Yep. <laughs> so, but I have a great time with this game. I love the art in it. Andrew Bosley. This is uh, the game that put Andrew Bosley on my map with art because it's gorgeous uh the box cover itself is striking so that's going to get some people to take it off the shelf and when it comes down to it it's basically worker placement with card play so you're trying to build city building in a sense in the middle of it and trying to get the resources from that as well as your worker placement slots either getting resources or being able to build something or meeting certain goals so i i really dig this one i really enjoy it and i'm not surprised it's in my top 20 so that's one is number sixteen, Everdale. I wonder how many, like, how much nicer the components are going to get the higher up on the list. Because <laughs> I, obviously, like mine are themeless, but I think you're you you yeah, have an affinity some are, for some pretty are, some games. Are, some of them are. Uh, one of them isn't very pretty. Oh, I, I think I know which one. That is. <laughs> uh, my number sixteen. We're on sixteen, right? Uh yes. Yeah, my number sixteen is the highest ranked party game on my list, and I'm pretty sure you can guess it. It's already on your list. This is definitely a crossover. Times up. Times up. Times up is fantastic. Everything you said about it in the previous episode, completely agree with. I love the fact that you're you're just doing password at first, mm-hmm. and then you're doing code names in the second round, and then you're doing charades <laughs> in the third, and it works really great. You and yeah. the fact that you use all three of the same code code words throughout the next um i always tell people it's like the first round the first 40 cards is the longest part of the game it's yeah, longer yeah. than the other two combined and i think that one is like 30 minutes if that yeah and so assuming you get people who who really understand the, the things we i i play with my kids sometimes and they like it but they don't know what half of the stuff is yeah my wife's the same way because she wasn't really into like the pop culture stuff like i am and right so like so it says certain movies that are way before her time like the 1980s and she's like what the... there's a card in there that talks about uh a b50 a b52 song love shack she oh, yeah. has no clue what that song is because she never really listened to it i'm i like rock lobster quite a bit better oh i prefer rock lobster yeah. as well yeah but yeah i mean wow how do you not know what love shack is it's just not something that uh, her mom listens to country music so you think they're gonna pop out b52 well, that's a good point. <laughs> you know, upon upon further inspection, yes, it, it checks out. And my wife was born in 1990, so that was like 20 years after that song came out. <laughs> right. So, oh man, okay, but yeah, it, time's up. 
uh, Title Recall, any of the versions, I have all of them. Uh, they're fantastic. If if possible, um, get some of the expansions that come out that have like some of the more recent stuff, like Game of Thrones and um, yep. other ones. Because if you're playing with an older crowd who don't re- aren't familiar with stuff from the 90s and 80s, or 70, 80s, 90s, and sometimes early 2000s, mm. the, the expansions will help you keep everybody involved. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Time's up. Number yeah, 16. No, that's a good pick. Uh, it didn't meet the ty- highest level. I think there's a party game in here that I like more, and you know which one it is. But my number... Wait, you, you have just one other? Maybe. Party game? Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Maybe I have just one. Maybe I have uh, several. We'll see. We'll find out. But uh, moving on to my next one, this is my highest restoration game. You know what it is. In... We have we did a chits and giggles uh, discussion, compare and contrast topic about one of the, this game compared to another one. Yep. The one you like and the one I like, and this one is unmatched. Mm-hmm. Specifically uh, for me, this pick is Cobble and Fog. That's my favorite set so far. They have a new set coming out, which is uh, Battle Legends Volume Two. I do have. What are the, the characters in the Battle Legends Volume Two again? Uh, they're, I can't say their names, but they're, they're mythical creatures based off world, uh, mythology. So there's one from like Africa. There's one from Europe. Yeah. Uh, Bloody Mary is the only one I can actually, um, yeah. pronounce. <laughs> <laughs> there's some other ones and I can't remember what the fourth one is, but they're the new ones that are coming out. And they also have Marvel where they're going to do three pack Marvel characters. I just recently got my Deadpool character about a month ago okay. that I'm looking forward to playing. Cause that one is hilarious. I'll have to show you the cards later. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so pick your flavor. If you, uh, they come in two packs where you can play it as a two player game. I prefer it at two players. I've played it at four players. I just think two players is a lot tighter. Um, but yeah, you can play it four players and it plays fine. Uh, you just play in teams. So one team versus another team. Uh, I'm interested to see how they do it with a three player because they didn't have like a winner take all kind of scenario and now they're going to do three player packs. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see how that works and intrigue because I don't, I, I want to see how it plays a three player, but it could lead to bullying and someone gets eliminated before the other two keep playing. Yep. And it's, it's interesting, but it's, it's got, you talk about how Funkoverse has a lot of um, flavor, like IP stuff. They're starting to get the IP. They had Jurassic Park. They they just got Marvel, which was a really big one for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also have like Cobble and Fog. They have Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So there's people who are fans with that one. Uh, Cobble and Fog is my favorite because it's got Dracula, Invisible Man, uh, Sherlock Holmes, and um, uh, Jekyll and Hyde. And I think. Those play so differently and so much fun. It's I, I enjoy it. You also got Robin Hood and Bigfoot. So you have like a menagerie of choices. So you don't necessarily have to pick one pack or the other. Just pick with the characters that you like and play with the characters you like. I love some of the the choices that you can make because each individual plays differently. So uh, Sherlock Holmes is, uh, doesn't really strike a lot. He doesn't punch people. He uses Watson for that, but he he thinks uh, through his actions and stuff like that. And does his damage through his mind in a sense by laying traps or figuring out where people are going. You have Bigfoot, who's just a big power hitter. You have uh, Bruce Lee, the non-fictional character in this, but it's a fictional version of Bruce Lee based off yeah. his movie stuff, where he comes in, punches you in the mouth, and then runs away. <laughs> 
So he's a uh, quick strike. Uh, it's the whole Muhammad Ali float like a butterfly, sting like a bee situation. Sure. And so I really, really dig Unmatched. So Unmatched, Cobble and Fog, my number 15. Okay. Uh, my number 15, you've already brought up. It's a crossover. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, quacks? Quacks of <laughs> Yeah. And... And I don't know if that's surprising to you that it's only at 15. It's a little bit, but I'm not. I know there are games that you like more, so. Yeah. And I really do like I Quacks. knew it was going to be in your top 20. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I, I've been pretty clear about it. It's definitely one of the better ones. Um, there are other games that I feel does that mechanism better, but in, but in a less fun way. Yeah. You know, like it's just be. It's one of those games where it's like it's not technically as balanced as other bag or pool building games. Yeah. Um, but functionally, it's really fun. That press your luck, trying to go as far as you can. It it definitely put this designer on the on the uh, on the map for me. I forget the, his name off the top of my head, but he's created quite a few of like newer games, so mainly yeah. like smaller card games. Yeah, yeah I don't. Know. Um, but. Yeah, it this is such a great game. Quack it's like Wolfgang or Wolfong or something like that. It's yeah, a, it's a I'll German name. It. Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> a German name. But yeah, Quacks of Quedlinburg, it's so cool. And I'm glad I have the expansion for it. I'm looking forward to the new expansion as well. Yeah. So yeah, everything you said about it, completely agree. Off to you. Ah, moving on to my number 14, and this one was surprising to me. I, I didn't think it would be this high on my list. I knew it would probably be in my top 100 because it's relatively new. I just recently got the expansion to it not too long ago. Mm-hmm. It's a Arcane Wonders Dice Tower Essential game with an underwater theme. Oh, yes. Okay. Aquatica. Now, I love this game, I and I'm not surprised it's in my top 100. I expected it to be in my top 100. Did I expect it to be in my top 20? No. And I I understand why it's in my top 20. I have a blast playing this one. Mm -hmm. I find it quite beautiful. Uh, Just the cards themselves are beautiful. I love how fast it can play. And you don't... It could take about 45 minutes to an hour. And it doesn't seem like you're playing 45 minutes to an hour. It's just like, wow, we're done already. That happened. And I just dig this game. I enjoy it a lot. I love the the cards that slide. And you're raising the depths. And so it makes it look like the cards starting to disappear. And stuff like that. Yep. I find it phenomenal. I like the fact that once you get it all the way up, you can bank it. And it's your scoring pile later on. Which allows you to get another card to put into that slot. Oh, man, I have a great time with this one. It is quick. It's fast. The solo mode's pretty good. Uh, really well components. Uh, I like the expansion fits in the base game box, and they made it where it knew if it was going to get an expansion, it can still fit in the base. Uh, it's it's phenomenal. Yeah, completely agree. Number How's 14, Aquatica. If I didn't own it, or if I owned it, it would probably be on my list, too. Yeah. It would definitely be in the top 100, I imagine. Yeah, I, I assumed it was going to be in the top 100. I just didn't make it. I uh, thought it would make it all the way to the top twenty. Yeah, absolutely. My number fourteen is a card game version of a bigger Euro game, and you know how much I absolutely love this game. Oh, it, I already know what it is. Once you said it's a card game based off another yep, Euro game, San Juan. San Juan. Yeah. It, oh man, this game just does everything right. Uh, it's, the reason it's good. I like it. I prefer this over the Puerto Rico. Absolutely. Yeah, and I clearly do too because Puerto Rico is. He's not on your. It's list? almost completely replaced. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's. This game, what it does is, it's very simple, it's an action selection where the action you pick, you get the good part of it, and everybody else gets an okay part of it, you know, and and that's the action that everybody picks for the round, you do it until all the actions are selected, but really what makes it so great is your resources are 
you drawing cards. Drawing cards is really valuable because that's going to be also your currency. You discard X number of cards to build a certain building. It's annotated there. And you have to be able to play your cards in a really smart way. Each one interacts with others in, in new, interesting ways. Each one produces different resources that lets you uh, trade them in to draw more cards. And it's just, it work, flows really well. And every time I play it, I want to play it. It's one of the few games I want to play multiple times in one scene. Yeah, no, uh, I dig this one. When you showed it to me, I was like, okay, what are we doing? You're like, let me just show you how this works. And we ended up playing the whole game. And yeah. it's like, I had to go home, dude. <laughs> yeah. it, but hey, you still sat around. And it was a quick game. Yeah, like it was like 30 minutes. Yeah. It was yeah, really good. Minutes. I enjoyed it. Yeah. And I can't describe it well enough. It's really one of those games that, you know, Race if you, for the Galaxy. If you think uh, Puerto Rico is bland and ugly, then you're gonna think the same about san juan it's yeah, not a pretty game but it plays browns yeah um yeah san juan if you if you like race for the galaxy over this you're wrong <laughs> i'm gonna draw the line right now race for the galaxy does not do this as well as san juan does i haven't played race for the galaxy so i can't make judgment on it but i dig san juan first off race for the galaxy is super icon heavy i can put that aside that's fine secondly it's not colorblind friendly at all and thirdly, it does everything San Juan does, except it has two different kinds of buildings. <laughs> like, that you have to build in different ways and different actions. One are like development, one's like conquer. Huh. Why it needs two different ones, I don't know. But that's just the way they make it. So it's basically, take San Juan, make it convoluted, you have Race for the Galaxy. Have fun. Yeah, no, I... San Juan is good. I don't, like I said, I can't make too much judgment about Race for the Galaxy, never played it. Um, I've heard better things about Roll for the Galaxy compared to Race for the Galaxy, but again, I'm not sure. I haven't played either one of them. I could have had a chance of buying Roll for the Galaxy when it was on like Clarence at uh, Barnes and Noble, mm-hmm. but I never picked it up because I was like, "Hey, this is better," and I ended up picking up like La Isla. I think it was, yep, yep. which missed out on my top 100, but barely, yeah. barely. So going on to lucky number 13. This is my highest rated Thunderworks game, which is another role player game. And one I knew was going to make it in my top 20. Um, it actually surpassed role player for me just because of how much I play it. And I'm really looking forward to the expansions that are coming out around the same time role player adventure is coming out and the new map packs and how they change things up. And this one is cartographers. And I dig this saw game. This one coming. Yeah, I, I saw this one coming. I thought it was going to be in my top 10. I'm surprised it only made it to 13. Yeah. But I dig this game. It's very simple. You're flipping cards over, filling in spaces, making maps. You're trying to meet uh, certain gold cards for the, the, the round that you're in. So if it's one round, uh, let's say I think it's spring, A and B are scoring. And then B and C are scoring in summer. And then fall, C and D are scoring. And then D and A are scoring again in winter. And so everything's going to score twice eventually. And I really dig it. So you're trying to put like your forest on the edge because every forest spot on the edge is going to give you a point. And you don't have to build in the same area, but you got to be careful because monsters can come out. And the other players playing it can put monsters on your card uh, or your your map, and then for every space surrounding a monster that isn't filled in, not diagonally, just orthogonally, is a negative point. So you can end up getting, and they're oddly shaped. So some are like a giant C, or there's one that are four spaces, but they're spread apart. So you got one, two in an area, so it's straight line. So you got a lot of negative points. At least it only counts as one. 
uh, space. Mm-hmm. And so it's phenomenal. So you got to fill in those spaces so you don't get those negatives. You're trying to get coins by surrounding mountains because you can uh, get points off your coins. And there's just and then there's a mini expansion that I haven't bought, but you can get where you can spend those coins to use special abilities. But um, I, I think it's a great game. I enjoy the mess out of this game. And I'm really looking forward to the expansion that should be coming out. I get four different map packs plus the expansion, the standalone expansion. It's called Cartographer Heroes that you have hero cards coming up that can fight off monsters on the map. So, And then there, there's a basic mode. So you have the whole map. And then there's a harder mode on the other side of the map where it's got a like a canyon in the middle of it. So you got to figure out how to use that spaces as well. Yeah. And you also have temples. So if a temple comes up, you have to build on a temple. Or you're penalized if you have no temples to build on, so you can only do like a one by one square. Okay. So I I, re- I really enjoy this game. Cool. All right. Uh, yeah, it's fun. My number thirteen, I'm so pr- uh, was always in my top ten for years, and now is no longer. It's still up there. I mean, it's thirteen. Wait, it's, is not it's thirteen. Nothing. It's not something to sneeze at. Ticket to ride. I'm shocked that this is far that far down. I thought yep. this would have been in your top five. Yeah, take it to ride. Um, it's just that I haven't played it hardly at all lately. Yeah. The Save, rails that, that, and sails really burned it for me. Uh, um, it, and the mini versions are just really streamlined versions that I can play in like 10 minutes. Yeah, I and, remember yeah. we played, what was it, the New York one in yeah. like five minutes. We, yeah. we completed a whole game of Ticket to Ride in five minutes. Yeah. It was really fast. And then we scored up, put it away, and ten minutes later we were like, okay, that was, that was a good little filler. Let's play another game. It took us longer to put it back in the box than it did to actually play it. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. And I've always enjoyed Ticket to Ride. And I, I enjoy any games that are similar to Ticket to Ride. It's almost a guarantee. Like, I like Elf and Land. I like um, the Rule the Realm, the new one that uses rubber bands. That's basically like Ticket to Ride, but with rubber bands. It's really weird. <laughs> Um, it's just super cool. It's a really fun game. Uh, Ticket to Ride, if it's one of the highest selling games on here, and what put Alan, Alan Moon on the map, and he deserved every bit of it. It's awesome. It's a great game. Yep, Ticket to Ride. Uh, me personally, on my list was Ticket to Ride Europe, uh, at the back end, I think it was in like in the 80s, or mm-hmm. maybe the first or second video. But no, it's a good game, I enjoy playing it, I have a great time playing it. It's just, these games I like more. Yep, fair enough. Moving on to my number 12, and this is the biggest and longest game on my list. And I've only played it once, but man, did I fall in love with this game. It is one of the biggest boxes that I own as well. (laughs) Nope. Nowhere. This is quite hilarious, having to try to find out my shelves. Yep. Okay. Twilight Imperium 4th Edition. Yeah. It is yeah. It is a phenomenal game. I really enjoy it. It is a long game. We played a three-player game, and it took us five hours. Yeah, it's just not bad. And it was also for the first time played, too. Yeah, so. that, most people say that it takes eight. Eight, yeah. So, But uh, that's also they're playing like the full contingency yeah. of six players. But I have a, a, a fond memory of playing this just recently. Uh, it was one of the first games I played. 
while we were still in lockdown, we finally, everybody just kind of like sat back, quarantined for two weeks, got together and then quarantined afterwards. Uh, but we wanted to get this played and it's a phenomenal game. I understand why it's a lot of people's favorites. Again, it's lucky with the dice rolling and you, there's, it's heavy on combat, but I really, really enjoy this game. I recommend it to everybody to at least experience once because it really is an experience when you play it. It's a bit long, it's a bit grandiose, and I know some other people like uh, Eclipse Second Dawn more because it's more Euro-y than Ameritrash-y, but I I love Twilight Imperium, and there's a reason why only after one play recently within the year, it's in my top 10, or top 20, at number 12. Well, good pick. Uh, I really want to play this one. My number 12 is, I know this is going to be on your list. I already know it's going to be a crossover. It's Stefan Feld game. Can you guess which one? Castles of Burgundy. No. Or, or Trajan. 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 It's not on my list. What? It wasn't on my statistics. Because you don't I, own it. I don't own it, and it wasn't on my statistics. What? This would have been in your It top. would have been in my list if it was there. What, where would it have been, do you think? Mm, probably top 30. Top 30? Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, Trajan is so great. It. I love how every one of the six different actions, you you score points in incredibly different ways. You have, first off, the map of Italy, where it's area control. You're trying to spread your influence out. You have the, the buildings that you're building that give you extra bonus actions. You have the Senate, where you're trying to get the most votes, and that determines turn order. You have the shipping, which you're getting goods in different combinations and sending them out for different ways. Everything about this game is so cool. That's uh, a good game, yeah. I love and it, it uses that focus of the Moncala mechanism where you're moving around and the color of the pieces that you move around matter. I I wish there was like super upgraded components. Maybe there is. But I, I need to see if there's some 3 I haven't seen any of BGG. Yeah. But so the, maybe there's 3D printed stuff that you there, can do. Well, BGG has the upgraded tiles and components. Yeah. Like they have the geek bits. Which I already have, but I mean, maybe I want to like make three D cups for the Trajan piece. I don't know. I I think like player individual player boards that were really upgraded would be great. But this game, it's definitely one of the heaviest games on yeah. this. I think it's uh, one probably, of the heaviest Feld games too. Yeah, it's one of the heaviest games that's on my the remainder of my list. And but it earned every right to be. Ever since I played it, I loved it, and it's always been up there. And uh, every time I get a group that's willing to play it, it, it goes over really well. That's Trajan by Stefan Feld. Yep, didn't make my list because, again, um, I kept it to everything that was in my stats or I own uh, based off my BGG. Yeah, because it system. would have been impossible to try and remember everything yeah. you played. Yeah, yeah. And so moving into my number 11, just outside the top 10, we kind of mentioned it earlier in the beginning of your top 20, if I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the legacy version of, I think you're like 22nd or 23rd, and that is Pandemic. Pandemic's Legacy Season 1. What can I say about this game that, one, isn't going to give away spoilers, and two, that hasn't been said about, about this game? It's phenomenal. I haven't played it in years, and it's still... An experience that makes my top uh, 11. In fact, I would play Pandemic Season 1 again. I know kind of the storyline, but I want to see how it falls again with like a different game mm-hmm. group. No. Uh, I have Season 2 that I want to get played. But yeah, no, I really enjoyed this one. And in fact, I think if everything I hear Season 2 might replace Season 1 for me. 
because of what they add from what I understand. Maybe. Uh Legacy Season One though, it the story, the campaign, the 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 things that happen within the game. You know, we talk about at that one point where you're just like, Oh wow. And then there's another one that happened with us. I, I don't I don't want to mention it here. But uh where you're just like Oh, I did not see that coming. And it was a phenomenal experience for me personally. And with my group, the end was a bit anticlimactic. Um, build up to that end, uh, was great. So like if, uh, I don't know how many plays we played of it, but let's say 20 plays of it. Uh, 18, 19 were really, really good. And then 20 was like, that, that's it. That's how it ends. And so, uh, the end but, of the world is not with a, not with a bang, but with, a, with whimper. a whimper, yeah. but yeah, it was phenomenal. We really enjoyed it, had a great time playing it. And there's a reason why it's at 11 because it's, it's still an experience that I remember. And I haven't played it since 2016, 2017, somewhere around there. Yeah. Cool. My number 11, I also thought would be in the top 10. This is barely missed it out. Spiel de Jar winner. Of laying tiles. Carcassonne? No. Tiles. Oh. Azul. What? Oh, but... Like literal tiles. Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> literal well, you tiles. said laying tiles, I was like, wait what? a minute. <laughs> what? No, Azul. It, I mean, that was top five for a long time, and now it's, it's barely arcing down a little bit. And that's because, you know, and I... I Bring them all together for yeah. this example. I, I like all three of them. I do like the stained glass one actually quite a bit, more than most people do. But it, it it's really good. It's a crappy game. All three of them are really fun. They each hit, uh, you know, high notes in different ways. Uh, but the base is wool. I mean, that's one of the few games that we that I played back to back. And with my wife, too, and one of her friends, like, they fell in love with it. My, my wife still plays it with me, and I think that's... Almost all of these games that are coming up, my wife does play with so as well. So, I mean, Azul is absolutely fantastic. I love the scoring that it works in. It's a little weird to get used to. I love the drafting part of it. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. You take all one color, push the rest in the middle, creates a new drafting spot. Haven't seen that in just about anything else. Yeah, and also gives someone a negative point if they want something really yeah. bad from uh, yeah. the um, the middle, but also allows them to go first in the next round. Yeah. Right, exactly. It's it's one of those games that's like, the, why is this as fun as it is? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Like, there's nothing specific My wife about doesn't it. Doesn't like this one. Yeah, there's not. Well, there's nothing specific about it that says, oh, this should be fun. Like, it doesn't sound anything that's more interesting than anything else. Like, there's, you're not fulfilling contracts. You're just putting either one through five of them down, and then they go onto the board. That's it. You know, you're drafting tiles. That's not thing new. You know. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I think it's really pretty. Um, you know, some people say it's, like, not as pretty as others, but I, I think it's incredibly gorgeous of a game. But, yeah, Azul just hits every time. That's my number... Uh, 11. My number 11, Azul. Yeah, it's fine game. I, I Again, Summer Pavilion hit my list. I prefer that one more. Um, Azul, my wife doesn't like because she figures out the pattern, and she's like, it, it's not interesting if you know the pattern, how to do it. And I'm like... Well, that must be nice because I can't figure out the pattern. <laughs> I'll play against her and I'll destroy her. You would think. <laughs> I'm willing to throw down. If that if that will help reinvigorate her, no. her enjoyment of Azul. She doesn't like it, so I'm not going to yeah. force it. And then also That's the fair. simple fact that um, 
She has not played a game with you since that last experience with the guitar, so... No, she has. Oh, she that's right. Shobu. Shobu, yeah. And, and then she despised that one, too. She does. But I've shown her a couple other games that she didn't mind. Uh, so they were. They were at the shop. Moving into the top ten. This is interesting. Yep. And it's finally time for my highest Stefan Feld game. On ten? At ten. Well, the rest of your list is bunk then at this point. <laughs> I mean, if this is your highest Stefan Feld, I have two more to talk about. <laughs> One, Trajan probably would have been higher if it was on my stats. Yeah. And two, I just really like the other games ahead of this one, but it's mm-hmm. still made it into my top 10. So that yeah. says something. And you know what it is. It's yeah. Castles of Burgundy. Castles of Burgundy. I, I dig this game. I have a great time playing it. It's one of the ugliest games in my top 20 here. <laughs> Remember when you said a lot of my uh, top 20 is going to be like prettier games? It's just like, mm, no, not this one. <laughs> yeah. No, this is ugly. <laughs> it's not, it's not hideous compared to some other games, but it's about, about, about a bunch of browns and greens, and it's a Leia, yeah. so it's not pretty browns, at all. Browns, greens, and grays. Yeah, so, but I dig the mess out of this game. I enjoy every time we bust it out i do have to try the new one this is the one i'm i'm thinking that it's a crossover sort of but you like the newer version of this one more and so but for me castles of burgundy is up there i i I dig castles of burgundy the dice game just as well but it just didn't make my list i actually included both of those because they kind of play differently Mm -hmm. but it just didn't make my list but castles of burgundy number 10 uh my number 10 is an abstract strategy game (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think this is the last one though Let's see here Let's yeah. hope This is my last one It And I think you know which one it is I already referenced it a little bit earlier When I was talking about Corridor It's the uh, other one I, I, I don't Quardo. know how to pr- Huh? Quardo Yeah I was like I don't know how to pronounce the name So Yeah Quardo It's brilliant 16 unique pieces that have different traits Either height, shape, color Or whether they have a hole in the top or not and it's invented by a mathematician. All you're trying to do is get four in a row of any one of those attributes. So if I get four tall or four circular or four light pieces, I win. But the trick is you hand the piece that your opponent is going to place. So I would give you the piece and I'm trying not to give you a situation where you could place it down and win by getting any one of those four in a row. Then there's an advanced mode where you also count a two by two grid. Hmm. That's it. It's incredibly simple, but that twist of I hand you the piece that you place down, I you have to create a situation where your opponent gives you the victory based on what you have left and what they have maneuvered. It, there's so much going on in it. I love it. Cordo, I I'm just gonna I'm gonna stop putting you to sleep. Yeah, it's my favorite out of the ones that you've made me play, which is a handful of them, a few yeah. of them. I think I played a, a glyph or whatever. I GIF. don't. Yeah, yeah, I and then uh, I think I played corridor. Um, but yeah, no, I don't. I don't like this one. Yep, you don't like abstracts. Well, that's funny because there's an exception to the rule. There, it didn't make my top 100, but I think it's on the list somewhere. And that was Goblet. I lo- I love that game. Which is so weird, because <laughs> you don't even particularly like memory games, and that's like a big factor. Yeah, in that. but I I really enjoy Goblet, but the rest of Two it. Two wrongs don't make a right, <laughs> sir. But moving on to my number nine, and this one is finally my favorite Star Wars game. 
and you mentioned it earlier, Star Wars Outer Rim. I love the pickup and deliver of it. I feel like I can be a bounty hunter. I like the fact that you're working with the the syndicates or the Empire or the Rebel Alliance. You're playing some of the characters in the Star Wars universe, um, like IG-88 or Han Solo. I don't think it's Han Solo. I think it's uh, Lando Calrissian is one of the main characters. I think Han Solo is also in it. I can't remember correctly. But you're also trying to meet your personal goals. This way you can upgrade your ship. Um, you you can uh, pick up and deliver and help the Rebel Alliance or help the um, the other the the Empires or the syndicates, the crime syndicates. But uh, if you run into it, you get into space battles. I have some fond memories of this game with my wife beating up a, a, one of our friends for she could steal his droid, for uh, she could have an army of all droids, which was one of her secret objectives for her to flip her ship because she was playing IG-88. And it was, it was, it's not a secret objective. It's on your ship. It tells you you need to have this to work. It is just, it made me laugh um, that she stole his droid. She went and fought him to steal his droid. Where she could have an all droid uh, crew. It, it's a phenomenal game. I enjoy it. It's a bit long, um, it, which is understandable. I understand why some people don't like it like you, which is long uh, for what it is. It's very lucky with the dice rolling, but I, for me, it's very thematic. I get it. I, I enjoy the game. I If I'm playing a bounty hunter character and I collect the bounty, I feel like I'm playing a bounty hunter. And if someone else wants that, uh, if that person that I'm bounty hunting is another person's ship, I go after them and try to steal the person from them. So, yeah, it just, I, I really enjoy it. It gives me that Star Wars feel that doesn't take as long as Star Wars Rebellion. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, my number nine, Stefan Feld, Castles of Tuscany. Now, I knew this was like a semi crossover. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was, well, as soon as you said, yeah, Castles of Tuscany is absolutely, it's a streamlined uh, variation of Castles of Burgundy. Um, I'm still not sure how much. I need to play it more because I don't think it'll unseat the other one. Um, but right now, it it's I love how it plays in like thirty to forty five minutes, yeah. and everything it does is is super cool. It's super streamlined. It, the only the only bad thing about it is that it is less strategic than Castles of Burgundy because you know you're beholden to what you draw in the cards. Yeah, and no, but the thing is, you can also trade two of one type to count as one of any others. So yeah, if you're just flooding yourself with cards. You can still do just about anything you want, but that's still not quite as efficient as me just getting exactly what I want of what buildings I want to build. The building actions are different. You can take extra bonus turns. You have all of this cool little fun comboing that you don't get in a lot of the other Stefan Feld games. And that's what one of the things that I think makes it really fun is because you technically only do like one thing on your turn, but this gives you the opportunity. It's like, all right, well, I'm going to do this, which will let me get this, which will also let me get this, which I'll score this and then spend this to take another turn, which gets this, and then I do this again. Yeah. You know, that's a comp. Those combos don't always happen in his games. That he normally floods you with a lot of different options, which is what's yeah. point salad. But you're you you take a straight up turn, and that's just what you do. Whereas this, this is almost like Phil Walker Harding level of like comboing, like what Super Mega Lucky Box does. And how you could do one thing after the other, after the other, after the other. It does this, but with the Castles of Burgundy setting. Huh. So, I can't wait to show you this. I know I keep begging you. Let me show you Castles of Tuscany, because I think you're going to be I tell you to bring it, and you don't. All right, well, we'll go get it after this podcast. <laughs> we'll fix that. So, um, 
Good pick. So my number eight here is a game that you like, but hate the theme on it. You loathe the theme. It's a deck builder. Hogwarts battle? Harry Potter Hogwarts battle. I don't hate the game. Yeah, I said it's a game that you enjoy. You just you can't stand the theme on it. Yeah, it's a dumb theme. (laughs) But I have a fond memories of this. I played it with my our friends Angel Maria and my wife. We have a good time with it. I have both expansions. The Monster Book of Monsters is ridiculously hard. It is probably one of the hardest parts of the game is just getting through that expansion. Uh, But I really dig this game. I again, I like deck builders. This does deck building fairly well, though I have an issue with uh, one of the things that it does on the deck builder. That uh, other games, the, the what is it, the uh, reskinning, the Toy Story reskinning fixed. Yeah. Whereas you can't wipe the board of uh-huh. cards. So if they're all high cards and you're not able to buy anything, you're screwed. Uh, we were playing with a house rule for the longest time until I learned that uh, Toys and Obstacles rule. Where we would pay two coins just to wipe the board for us to... Yeah. You know, clear it out for whereas the obstacles and adventures, adventures they give you, you one per game. Per game. Complete wipe it. It, it, and it's important to be able to do it, especially since when you get further along the storyline, you add more cards to that deck, and it becomes a very yeah. massive deck. And it's just it's sometimes when you got eights and nines and tens, and you only still have your your basic cards in your hand, you can't buy any yeah, of those. Forever. You're stuck, and you're going to end up losing that round because you can't buy more powerful cards. There's no way to wipe it. And so we found a house rule that allowed us to spend two coins to wipe it. We talk it as a group because it's a co-op. It'd be like, do you? I have these coins. I can't buy anything. Do you want me to wipe it? And so we agree and we wipe it. But now that I found out about the obstacle rules, I determined that we're going to use we use those rules that once per game we could wipe the board. And if it gets to the point where people are stuck and they can't buy anything, you can wipe the board. And so that that was a very important fix. But I still have fond memories of this. I enjoy playing it. I want to bust out the, the newest expansion before I go back to the Monster Book of Monsters. Because it adds some stuff that could help us in the Monster Book of Monsters, from what I heard. And a lot of online BGG um, chatter about it is you should play the Potions and Charms expansion before you play the Monster Book of Monsters. Because... It is ridiculous about how hard I've played. There's four scenarios in the Monster Book of Monsters. I played the first scenario six times before we finally beat it. We have not beat the second scenario. And we've played that at least four times. Yeah. They can get pretty tough. Toy Story is better. (laughs) Uh, But good pick, though. My number eight is my highest Phil Walker Harding on my list. That's Baron Park. Baron Park. Yep. <laughs> Everything you said about it, completely agree. I I like the math in it. I love the the spatial awareness. How you all you do is just grab a tile, put it down, lets you get other tiles. It's all the game is. Uh, although, one when, when I was demoing demonstrating this game last week, somebody pointed out like how little the theme really matters in it because we already discussed that the theme doesn't matter in this game. You're just playing with tetromino pieces. They're cool. But one person's like, yeah, it's like, well, so you're making a bear zoo, right? I was like, yeah, that's what you're doing. She's like, claws aren't bears. They're marsupials. Yeah. And I was uh, like, so that's one-fourth of the <laughs> entire theme. It's like completely nulled because of, it's like, they're not bears. And then really, like, what you're doing, like, 
that the one of the players who was playing it having an affinity for zoos was like, wow, none of these make sense how I'm putting this. And you almost have to ignore the theme to justify how you're building the park. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, it's, you know, it's, it's one of the best game. games. Yeah. yeah. It's one of those ones where I can almost, it, other than like, obviously if somebody's not ready to pay $40 for a game, if they, if they had $40 and they're like, all right, what game should I buy? This is one of the first ones I'd show them how to play. So it's like, you're probably going to really get a lot of game out of this. I think it's fantastic. Baron Park, you said it already. My number eight. One of the best games of all time. So here's a little bit of a run for me at my number uh, seven. Yep. Uh, There are three more Stonemaier games in my top ten. Yeah. This one is one of them. This one is the biggest one outside of Tapestry. And this is like the, the big granddaddy oh, for, yeah. for, um, Stonemeyer games. You know which one it is. Scythe. It's Scythe. Yeah. It's a phenomenal game. I really enjoy it. I love the action selection that's in this that I can't double back unless I have a special ability that allows me to double back. If later on I can get something that upgrades me and gives me a fifth spot and then, you take the actions at the top, and you're able to buy stuff to put down into the bottom, making the bottom actions more plausible as well. Um, it's dudes on the map, resource management, area control, sort of. It, yeah, the basic point is you're trying to get a certain amount of stars on the uh, the win. I think it's 12 stars in the basic game. Mm-hmm. And I enjoy the mess out of it. I have a good time playing it. I like it at two. I like it at four. I don't play it at six anymore. That was really, 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 really long. <laughs> it was because I think it goes up to six players, and that was a three-hour game. That uh, for a game that should—it's going to be long, but it shouldn't be that long. It hour and a half, two hours at the most, depending on the player count. But this one was a six-hour or a three-hour game with six players, and I was like. I like long games to a certain extent that are keep you engaged. And then when you're waiting on five other people to make their action selections on the board, it kind of takes you out of it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, the, the turns are quick. I like it at four. I think for me, perfect is four because the actions and the movements go by quicker. Um, it's pretty good at two as well, but I, I won't play it at six. I'm hesitant to play it at five, but four is that sweet spot for me. But I, I dig this. It's also one of the best produced games out there. It's still highly supported, even though it was a Kickstarter game. You can he Jamie Stigmar is big about this with his Kickstarters. You can get everything that comes out for this. I I haven't had all the expansions. I got only one of them. The the uh, where it adds the two extra players or uh, characters that you can use. Uh, Invaders from Afar. That's the one it's called. Um, but I haven't got the airship yet. I haven't got the Rise of Fenris, the campaign game that adds to it. But I want to. And again, it's got a good solo play if you're into playing a longer solo. Because I think this one's about an hour, hour and a half if you're playing solo. But it's a great game. I got the metal coins and everything. So, But I won't get the metal mechs because I, I, I don't see. Because if you want a full set of metal mechs for every single player, it's going to cost you almost $300. Yep. <laughs> Sounds about right. But it's a great game. I enjoy it. And number seven is Scythe. My number seven is my highest Sid Saxon game on the list. Can't stop. Can't stop. <laughs> yep, can't stop, won't stop. Go, 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 go. Uh, yeah. Best press your luck game. This is the highest press your luck game on my list, and that's because it is absolutely fantastic on how it works. Uh, you said it earlier uh, in a previous episode, but I'll reiterate it real quick. 
You have the numbers 2 through 12 on a stop sign. You roll four dice, you pick them into two pairs, and you have three uh, cones that are called your runners. Those are the only three throughout that round that you're allowed to move. As long as you are either able to introduce a runner to one mm-hmm. of the tracks or move one of them ahead, uh, you're good to go. So if you have it on a 6, 7, or an 8, and you roll all ones, then you bust and you lose your runners. Or you can replace your runners with your cones, and those are basically like checkpoints or save points that you start from that point on. Yep. So if I'm already halfway up the number 7, anytime from that point on, my runner starts right after my cone. Yep. Brilliant. First one of three points wins. Goes really well with two players, really well with three players, really well with four players. Yeah, it's quick. And it plays fun every time. And it's one of those games that technically you can try and shoot the moon and win the first turn. <laughs> I've never seen it. I have attempted it. <laughs> and I've got really close. I've attempted it uh, when you kept telling me, you know, you don't have to keep pushing your luck. I'm like, I want to do it in one shot. <laughs> yeah, you want to one shot it. Yeah, it's it's re- absolutely ridiculous. It's so great. Uh, can't stop. It's a Texan brilliant game. So here's another Stonemeyer game, and I'm shocked it's this far down. This is technically my favorite worker placement game, but I thought this would be higher on my list. But apparently it is not. It's at number six. I thought this was number one for you, or at least number two. No, I, I'm shocked about what what's in my top five. I don't disagree with my top five, but... But my wow. number six is Viticulture. Wow, this was your number one for a long, a long time. time, and I really, and it was, it's still my top rate. It was also my number one Stonemeyer for a long time too. Yeah. But I, I dig this game. I don't play it as much um, because I play other games um, sure. in this line or not in in the Stonemeyer library more. And I know one that's that's going to be higher on the list, and I'm surprised I'd unseated this. Yeah. Really? I, I am too. But yeah, no, um, I love Viticulture. I think it's a great game. I love the theme on it because it's different. I don't care for wine, but at the at, when it came out and at the point when I started playing it, you didn't really see a lot of winemaking games. No. And this one felt like it fit for a work replacement because you're planting the grapes, you're stomping the grapes, you're making the wine, you're building your cellars, you're building your winery, your vineyard properly. You give tastings to people and get experience points by that if you have wine in your cellar. And it it's so good. I love the Tuscany expansion where it increases the board. So you're playing through all four seasons rather than just two seasons in uh, the original uh, Viticulture. Which just gives you a lot of choices because you only start with three workers. You start with two regular workers and your grande worker. And I, that's another thing that really grabs me is the grande worker where he can just muscle in in a spot that you're blocked out of. You don't yeah. get to get like the bonuses of going to the location. So some of them will give you an extra card if you're pulling cards or an extra coin if you're collecting money. But the grande worker, if there's two spots taken and you, there's no more spots for you to play on, you can put your grande worker in that area and still take that location. But then you got to be smart about how you play your workers as well. Because, again, you only start with three workers and you're playing through four seasons. So if you used all your workers in the spring, you don't have anything for summer, fall, and winter. And so you have to pass. So you got to be smart about how you're playing it. It's a bit longer because it's a it's an engine builder work replacement game where you're trying to make enough wine to meet your contracts to get your points, and you have to hit a certain point for the game to end. I think it's the first person to hit the twenty five or twenty, depending on which version you're playing, and you have to hit that, and then 
uh, everybody plays out the round, and then whoever has the most points at the end of the game wins. And, cool. and you're you're playing out the round. When I say playing out the round, you're playing out the entire season. You're going all the way to the winter till everybody passes. Yeah, it's just it's triggered. And I, I enjoy this game. I enjoy the mess. And there's a reason why it's in my top ten. I just thought it was going to be in my top five, maybe in my top three. But going through this, it only hit six. And that's Viticulture. Specifically, the Essential Edition. My number six is my highest two-player only game. Oh, I'm sorry. Keyforge. No. Really? No, no way. Keyforge doesn't even rank higher than Magic. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Seven Wonders Duel. Then um, I don't know. You, you play know a, it. You it, know it too. I've played the mess out of this. I even referenced the app earlier. Oh, I don't remember what the app was. So Jaipur. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, I forgot about Jaipur. It didn't yeah. even make my top one hundred. I know. It, that's a shame because Jaipur is really one of the most brilliant games. It's a good game. It's just yeah. I don't play a lot of two players. Yeah. Exactly. We we need to fix that because the the app is. I highly encourage you get the app. The app is really good because it it plays. It, it's a really good design, and the fact that it has kind of its own campaign mode, like Seven Wonder or uh, Codenames Duet, has like different variations on it. Mm-hmm. I like the app because the app will have all sorts of different uh, weird variations. Uh, for example, like you might even have. Of the tokens in opposite order. So you start by cheaper and going higher. Some might be like your hand limit is nine. You know, some might be your hand limit's five. Some might be like your own, like the player with the least camels. Like small little variations, but it really divvies up the gameplay in a really unique way. Um, Jaipur is one of the best two-player games, hands down. Because what you're trying to do is you're trying to get sets of uh, resources to trade them in. And the tokens descend in order, so the sooner you sell them, the more points they're worth, but you also get bonus points for selling combinations. So when you flip the script on that, when you finally choose to, it's like, all right, well, I'd rather sell five leather uh, like later on in the game than mm-hmm. I would want to sell you know, two gems right now. Yeah. Watching, and the fact that you never directly interact with your opponent, you're only interacting with the market row, which is what they can go off of, is really great. Uh, one of the best things that you can do strategically is like if you see them pick up a diamond, oh, I'll sell mine then. You know, because you know that they're going to go for it and they, they cringe a little bit or force them to take a whole fleet of camels. You know, it there's so much going on in it. Every time I play it, and I've probably played this game 50, 60 times by now. Yeah. Uh, every time I play it, it's still like I get more and more out of it. I enjoy it more. And it's just, it, it keeps... I get excited teaching this to new people, knowing that they... No, it's a phenomenal game. It just didn't make my top 100. I think I like Seven Wonders Duel and Keyforge more, but I enjoy playing it. Uh, But it's a good pick. Yeah, thank you. That's my number six. Uh, My number five surprised me that it made it into my top ten. I dig this game. I love this game. I just don't play it as much because it just doesn't hit the table all that much. But it's a colossal game. The only one I can think of off the top of my head is Almanac, and you've already said that. Nope. It's one of their bigger games that has an expansion uh, that's starting to ship. I don't know. 
Western Legends. Oh yeah, Western. Wow, <laughs> this really did climb. I I knew it was going to be on your top I, hundred. And yeah. I completely forgot about it. Yeah, I really love Western theme. I love the movies. I grew up watching them with my dad. Uh, we watched a lot of like John Wayne stuff, Clint yeah. Eastwood, and The Man with No Name, that kind of stuff. Uh, Three Ten to Yuma is still one of my favorite movies. Unforgiven is still my favorite movies, and this gives me that that feel. It's an open world sandbox uh, game where you can do whatever you want and still have a chance to win. If I don't want to go fight people and want to play poker or uh, cattle ranch and make some money or be yep. an outlaw and um, cattle rustle, I can do it and still have a chance. I can play a, like a push your luck aspect of the game and mine for gold and still have a chance to win because yep. – and uh, a lot of people don't like the mining for gold because they said it's very lucky compared to some of the other stuff that you're doing in the game. But it makes sense because you're not necessarily going to fucking gold. It, it's a lucky aspect yeah. to strike it rich. And I, I, it fits thematically. Not every gold prospector yeah. came out on top. top. Yeah. And uh, I like the fact that you can fight the bandits if you choose to go into their hideouts and fight them. I like the fact that you can uh, fight a another player who's an outlaw. If you want to work for the sheriff and be like uh, honorable, you can go after them and fight it. Uh, fight them. Um, if you're a bad guy, you can go fight the sheriff if you want to become infamous and stuff like that. Yep. I love the choices in this game. I love the fact how open ended it is, and it feels like a Red Dead Redemption in a board game form. Yeah. I dig this game a lot, and I'm not surprised that it made it to my top ten, but I am also because I've only played it a handful of times. Yeah, I don't blame you. This is a good pick. Fantastic, real, and that's one of the few games that I'm that I'm considering buying, buying. because it's just <laughs> that one play of it was really good. Yeah, I was I, impressed with it. It's really it's it's one of my favorite. It's probably my favorite colossal game. Um, I've only played a handful of them, and Dragon Castle is really good. To, or uh, Almanac Road is really good, but. Um, yeah. Yeah, Colosso has knocked it out of the park with this one. Yeah, they're doing much better now. Uh, my number five, we're in the top fives. Wow. Yeah. Uh, is a game that I've... When I first bought it, I know I had to justify myself to buy it. This was when I was first getting into board games, and it's a classic one. Uh, and it's paved the way for a lot of newer games that was on my list, but it still holds true, and it has something like 13 expansions now. But when I first bought it, I, I really, really had to justify myself paying $45 for just cards. Because that was a tough thing to do. It's like, how can I justify $45 it's for funny. just a you, card You've game? actually told me this. I just can't remember the name of the game. Dominion. Yeah. Dominion. I It's so good. Everything, every new expansion I get excited about. Everything, every time I, I watch the reviews of it, I always buy the, the newest set. I have all of my Dominion in one spot. It just gets better and better. There are some expansions that are not nearly as good as others, but even the, like the worst expansions, I've had more fun playing than some games that are like mediocre. Like I, everybody kind of says Alchemy is or Alchemy or Alchemy was the worst expansion. If you play it by itself with the base set, it's really pretty good. Like there's some really fun cards. It, it's when you dilute it with all the other sets exactly. and you only have like one or two that use the extra resource, then yeah, it's not as good because potions aren't as good then. But if it's by itself, we had a blast. You know, my wife played it. We love it. Dominion, hands down, get Seaside, get Prosperity, get the base set or Intrigue, you're going to have a ball and it doesn't get any less fun. See, my issue with Dominion, and it's, it's nothing knock for the game, it's... 
pretty themeless, but it's fun. It's an enjoyable game. It's just that it wasn't the first deck builder I played. I yeah. played quite a few other deck builders before I actually finally played Dominion, and I'm like, I, I get it. I see why people like it, but I don't have that nostalgia factor with it, so I don't enjoy yeah. it. I'll play it if others want to play it, but it's not my favorite of the deck builders. Yeah, that's fair. So, you ready for another shock? And yeah. I don't think this is going to stay in my top ten. I, I think eventually it might lower, but there's... It's because of what happened during the pandemic. This is one of the few games that I could play over online and have a great time with it when we did a lot of the Zoom calls, when we were in lockdown and we couldn't connect with a lot of people. It is my favorite party game, and I know it's still going to stay high as a favorite party game. It's going to stay high. Yeah. Absolutely. But I don't know if it's going to stay top 10. I think it will. And that is just one. It is a phenomenal game. There's a reason why I won the spiel. It, yep. it, it's a really good game. I want the expansion to come to America for I could just have some more cards. That's yep. all I really yep. want is just more cards. Um, everything else, and it comes with really good components. You can find it in Target relatively cheap. I think you yep. can. Uh, I think a friend of mine bought his copy for like fifteen bucks on the Target app. So you could get yep. it cheap. You could have a great time with it. It's a phenomenal game, and it's it's simple. You're have a, a card in front of you that you can't see. You pick a number one through five and it plays in a clue to the other players that are playing with you. And it's one word. So like, let's say it's Frankenstein. Other people can say the, the people who have to give you a clue, you have to give you a one word clue. So, um, someone can say Victor or someone can say, uh, Shelly. Another person can say monster. And if, Somewhere down the line when you're playing the, uh, with other people, if some two people say monster crossover or three people, and for a fact, you lose that answer. So you've just lost three clues because it's the same clue. Yep. So you got to be careful how you give those clues. You want to be... Um, there can only be just one. Yeah, there can only be one of the clue, but you got to be smart about how you do it. You don't want to be too obscure because it might take out the person, but you don't want to be right on the nose or the obvious answer because someone else could possibly get it or, or and give it as well. So I think this is a phenomenal game. I, as simple as it is, it's a phenomenal game. And it can hold up to seven people, which is another thing I like about it. It can hold a big group without being a big group. So some party games is like, Oh, you can play this with four people, but you really want eight people for it. Or this one is like, mm-hmm. hey, you want to play this with three people minimum, but it's better if it's only four or something like that yeah. for a party game. This one plays seven people, and it plays well with seven people. Yeah. And it plays well with four people. It's like, it's a phenomenal game. I really enjoy it. And I, I'm I'm not surprised that it's in my top ten. I'm just surprised it's this high yeah. at number four. I, I'm not surprised one bit. I <laughs> knew this was going to be up there. It, one of my favorite memories from this is watching a four-player game of, like, uh, sisters. And, and, you know, they were so in tune. And I loved, like, like the youngest sister, she was getting the clue. And everybody else compared. They all just flipped down their cards like, well, good luck. Because <laughs> all three of the other ones had the exact same answer. And they're like, and she's, like, her face just turned red. Like, well, what happens? I'm like, you'd probably skip. <laughs> you'd probably not guess. Because you're probably not going to get it. You brilliant. you have a one in like forty thousand chance. There's like, uh, yeah. it's not that much, but there's only what <laughs> about forty fifty cards in the deck, and they all have five answers on it. So yeah. your odds are not in your favor. <laughs> yeah, no, no, not at all. Uh, my number four is 
the highest farming game I have on this list, and you know exactly which one it is. And I just saw in the news that they have announced a new version for America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, bean farming. God, I knew so this was going to be on your list. Yeah, I I knew it as well. <laughs> Bonanza is really just one of the best. I thought it was going to be your number two. Every, it's so it's so high up there. I've considered it. Um, I I honestly, given this thought, if there is one game that could replace my number one, this is probably it. It shouldn't be as good as it is. No, it shouldn't. And and Uwe Rosenberg, credit where credit's due, his games are always really good, and he has really great ideas. And this is one of his oldest games, one of his first ones ever published, and it's just a card game. And it's still in print. And it's shocking. still in print, yeah. And it's and what, late 90s? Absolutely, yeah. And it's 94 still... or something. Yeah, or early 90s. Yeah. And it's still in print. Yeah. And it's still played a lot. And, and what makes it good is that you're trying to... You're trying to build up, you know, having more of a certain type of card. Uh, the more rare they are, the fewer there are in it, so the fewer you'll see it. And you're trying to get the most points by selling them. Every step of the way, every little, every phase of your turn entices you in a different way and forces you to just want to keep going and, and pushing yourself even more. So the first one, you either play either one or two cards from your hand. A lot of times, you're going to be interacting with other players because you either don't want those cards or you're going to be trying boosting up, like, getting yeah. it ready to play either or to play both of them optimally. Secondly, you put two cards in front of you and then you have to wheel and deal them. You either do or don't want them, but then you also want to bluff it saying, it's like, oh, well, yeah, that one's pretty good, even though you have no intention to buy it. Mm-hmm. You might still try and trade people for it because they can just accept it as a gift, but... It was like, well, you know, I'm okay with taking it, but I might want to trade you for a coffee bean. You haven't even uh, played or talked about my favorite mechanism in this game. And then you draw three cards and add them to the back of your hand, which you can't change the order of the cards that are in your hand. And so you're you're trying to get rid of the fodder by trading and dealing with them. Wheeling and dealing. Wheeling and dealing. And then you're trying to get the hand in order of the way you want it to be. And then finally, after all of that stuff, after you've drawn your three cards and you see how much farther down the line that they're going to be, after you see how if you have other cards of the set that you have in front of you, you have to question yourself, do I want to sell it now? <laughs> Knowing that it's like, I have seven coffee beans. If I get three more, I'm going to get another point. Do I even want to do that now? It's, oh God, it's so wonderful. This game is really one of the best games I've ever played. And there's a reason it's number four out of the thousands of games I've played. I love it. Bonanza, thank you for existing. Yeah, no, it's a good game. Uh, Moving on to my number three. And this is the shock because I knew it was going to be a high game. Mm -hmm. And I knew it was going to... I found out it unseated (laughs) my favorite Stonemaier game. I just thought it was going to be number two. This is Wingspan. This Wink. is number three. This is my number three. There is two games higher on this list. I know one of them for sure. But... <laughs> I know. My number two shocked me too. <laughs> this is a clickbait territory now. Number two will shock you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is. It shocked me. <laughs> so, uh, number three. <laughs> uh, my number three. I thought, I, I kind of figured Wingspan up uh, Viticulture 
because I, I play it a lot. I really love birds. I love the art in this. I love the mechanisms in it with like the bird abilities and sure. stuff like that. And I I play the mess out of this game. It's my favorite solo uh, 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 Atoma in the, uh, the Stonewire brand because it plays so quickly. I can play a solo game of this in 30 minutes. I dig this game. Yeah, and it, it's it's a great game. Um, I love the the new bird powers, and I think a big part of it is the expansions. The expansions have really enhanced the game and uh, gave it the life that it needed. And I just I enjoy playing the mess. That I just recently played it on as recent as Saturday, and had a great time. And the future for the people who listen to this in the audio side, uh, that was about four or five weeks ago for you, but. It, it was phenomenal. I really, really enjoy this game. I'm not surprised it's this high. I just assumed it was going to be higher because of how much I've played it within the last mm-hmm. year. And it came out in 2019. It's one of the best-selling games in history <laughs> right now. And so it's it's one of those I think it's going to stand the test of time when it comes to um, it, like Ticket to Rides and stuff like that. I think it's going to do really well for the yeah. time being. And so my number three. Wingspan. Okay. I'm curious. Everybody knows what my number one is, but everybody's going to be shocked about my number two. Just like how Uno Maestro <laughs> pointed out, number three is good, but number two changed his life. Click here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love that. Um, my number three is my highest Stefan Feld game on the list. Is it Castles of Burgundy? Castles of Burgundy. Really? really? Yeah. Yeah. I, I know I've said that I'm not sure if Castles of Tuscany replaces it for me yet. <laughs> at, at this moment... With, without more players of Castles of Tuscany, it's currently still my highest one. And everything you said about it just holds true. It's so cool how the, you have two dice, and those are your two actions, mm-hmm. but no role is better than any others. There's ways to manipulate it. There's ways to get ways to manipulate it by getting workers. I love There's, the shift where you can make a six of one because the dice roll doesn't really matter. Yeah, no, it's just, it's just which category it's yeah. in. It's so good, and I appreciate any dice game that does that where it's like, yeah, it's like, well, if I roll a six and you roll a one, that doesn't mean I'm winning. That's that's just what field I'm using and what I'm trying to put onto the board. really doesn't matter on that. Castle Burgundy is amazing. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with you. It's in my top ten. What surprised me the most about this game is I remember I had told my brother, who's a gamer, mm-hmm. about it, and he thought it was interesting sounding, and I brought it over to to his and his roommate's house, his roommate is not a gamer in the slightest. And I was like, okay, this is iffy, but I'm going to teach you all how to play it. It's a lot of it. That turned her into a gamer because that that grew a love of games immediately. Be, never playing really board games ever before. Yeah. Playing Castles of Burgundy, which is a hard game to start off with. It, it like putting that time and then at, by the end of that game she's like this is this is one of the most amazing things I've ever seen this is phenomenal what I like about Castles of Burgundy and it's another story that involves you you were hesitant to have me play this at the shop because you've seen the games that I was playing at the the start yep. of the thing I was playing like the mirror tracks yep. the smash ups the betrayal in the house on the hills the forbidden islands and stuff like that and you're like I want to show you this. It's going to be harder. It's not really up what you've been playing recently, but I think you might like this. Let's let's just see how it goes. And I need more people to sit in this table and no. fill it out for other players to play. And I'm like, all right, sure, I'll try it. 
And I fell in love with this game. And it this opened my eyes to Euros. This is the game that yeah. opened my eyes uh, to that style of game, the point salads, the just mechanisms to help you move along the mm-hmm. game. And yeah, no, I don't disagree. I'm not surprised it slid into uh, to the bottom of my top ten, but it's yeah. still there. It's been yeah. one of the earliest Euro games I played, which was roughly 2014. So, what seven years now? Yep. And it's still in my top ten. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal. It's one of the best games ever, and it holds true. Stefan Feld, you did it again, sir. You did it again. <laughs> so, all right, here's the shock. I knew yeah. I loved this game. I didn't know it was my second favorite game of Hit all time. Me? Really? Is this high? Wow. No, no, no. I wouldn't even uh, use. Jeez. I wouldn't even wow. use toilet paper I with that the one. Compliment. But, you know. <laughs> no, 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 no. All right, hold on. Let me. Man, hey, you've already mentioned it. It was on your list. I don't know if it was in this one or the past uh, episode. You've already said summer camp, right? Yep. Okay. It's it's not that hard. Through the ages? Yeah, it is not Heroes in Land of Air and Sea. Uh, I enjoy that game, but um, it's not up in my top 100. It's not Nations, right? Or not no. Through the Ages? Um, you're, you're not even in the right area. <laughs> between Two Castles? Nope. I already said uh, Between Two Castles. It was in the 70s. Oh, man. <laughs> It's not even a Stonemeyer game. You you want to hit? Yeah, sure. It's Ravensburger. Horrified. <laughs> really? My number two. I mean, yeah, I, I, you haven't said it yet, but holy cow! I I was shocked when my results came when we used the the what is it yeah. pub meatball rankings and stuff like that. Yeah, I was shocked that it came up number two. I knew I loved this game, and I knew it was going to be my top ten. I yeah. didn't expect it this high. Wow. Yeah, uh, it's everything we said about it when you mentioned it. It's a great game. I really, really love the classic monster movie feel of it. I'm looking forward to the Cryptid one as well because I love mm-hmm. Cryptids. And I hope they keep doing this where they do Horrify but keep doing with like the Cryptids. Like we can get the European Cryptids, uh, maybe some Asian Cryptids. Yeah. I think it would be a phenomenal way to keep that game going. I enjoy it. It's very simple. Uh, it's a family weight co-op game. Uh, plays simpler than, say, something like Pandemic. And I just enjoy the mess out of it. I love showing it to people. In fact, you bought the game before me, and I showed you how to play it because I, <laughs> I was like already watching the watch it played and ready yep. to get it. And I was like, I wanted it. And you ended up getting the like last copy at Target or something like that. And I'm like, I already know how to play it. Oh, sure, bust it out. And I'm like, yeah. here, here, here. This is do this, and here's the thing, how it's set up. And you're just like, wow. yeah. So it's my number two. I, I'm, I'm just as shocked as you that it made it up that far. Yeah. <laughs> so it's... my number two, horrified. Wow, good, good pick. <laughs> my number one, number two. Uh, number two. Num- my number two. Yeah, <laughs> I was, I was gonna say my number two, but I did say number one, didn't I? Yeah. Um, my number two <laughs> is. My favorite legacy game that I've ever played. You've already talked about it. You know where this is going. Yeah. Pandemic Legacy Season 1, specifically Season 1. I just finished playing the entire uh, Season 0 about a month ago. Yeah. It was a really great experience. We enjoyed every single one of them. That was probably my least favorite of the two. I did really like Number 2 a lot, but Season 1 was absolutely groundbreaking. Yeah. Uh, What it did for Legacy Games... It not only was such a good game, I I appreciated Pandemic already. Mm-hmm. 
It flipped it on its head, made everything it could have been. This was the only game I've ever considered unseating Carcassonne as my number one, which I'm giving the spoiler. Yeah, yeah. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows what my number one is, too. So (laughs) exactly. But it's just, it's the only one I've ever considered unseating after I played it. And the only reason, the only reason it has not unseated my number one is because you, you can't continue to play it afterwards. Yeah. And so now, if I want to play it again, I won't have that same uh, revelation. Shocking. Yeah, I won't get that same... It's like reading a really good book, you know? You you know the the big twist where you're like, oh, wow. Oh, yeah. you know? Or uh, an M. Night Shyamalan movie. <laughs> an M. Night Shyamalan, yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, wow, his whole head? Like, <laughs> that has nothing to do with any M. Night Shyamalan. Yeah. It's just random comment. It's, Tip a canoe and Tyler too, really? <laughs> Holy cow! I wasn't expecting that M Night Shyamalan. Um, yeah, but no, it Pandemic Legacy Season One. It, it's one of the best games. I have a feeling it's going to drop now because I, I of could, the other two. I can see see it dropping. Um, plus, it's been a while since you played it. I think it's just going to keep going. And like I yeah. said, the reason why mine is not even in the top ten is just. It's off nostalgia. I don't know if I'm going to get that same awe, that same yeah. feeling if I ever played season one again. That's It's been far enough where I don't remember everything, but I also remember the big stuff that happened in it. Yeah. And so I, I really enjoy it, but I understand why it's going to start slipping, and it's already slipped for me. Yeah. And again, my number one, everybody knows what it is. And once I'm done with it, it's possible that it might slip as well, but it's a campaign game. It's one of the biggest games on my shelf right now, and it's something that I've been enjoying the mess of this last mm-hmm. year. Um, me and the wife started playing um, the 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 smaller version of it, the one I highly recommend yeah. to everybody who wants to try to test the waters with this game, and that is Gloomhaven. Um, the, the one specifically I'm talking about is Jaws of the Lion. That's the one you should test the waters. And we, I bought it. I started soloing it. And she's like, hey, let, you want to reset it and we can try it? Because she wanted to start playing Gloomhaven again. I'm like, sure. We started playing it. And we fell in love with Jaws of the Lion all over, or Gloomhaven all over again because of Jaws of the Lion. And so she's like, let's just reset it and start over and play uh, the game as we're going. We did. And... I think in the last year, since summer of 2020, so it's been a year, we've played probably 40 games of Jaws of the Lion as well as uh, regular Gloomhaven, and we're enjoying the mess out of it. It's a nice time to spend with my wife, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm enjoying it. Um, I'm, it. It's not a shock that it's still my number one. It's been my number one for quite a long time. Uh, it's not a shock that it won our first year top eight debate overall champion. It's a phenomenal game. And I know who I'm giving you grief for having it at 35, but I think if you played more and got into the campaign, it's going to jump up there. It might even make a a pandemic legacy fall out of your top 10 and might increase it because just that campaign and the story and it's not playing the same thing over again because you have like your goals of kill all enemies or you have to do a protection mission or you have to beat a certain objective for you to win. You don't have to worry about the enemies. They're just there. But I just, I really, really dig this game. And I love the, the retirement factor in the original Gloomhaven where you each have a secret objective. And once you meet that objective, that's a possibility or it is going to happen. You're going to retire. And sometimes you're going to be opening new boxes, but you can also be opening up like maybe scenarios or different things that's going to happen throughout the game that tells the overarching story. 
This is a phenomenal game. I have a great time playing it, and we we thoroughly enjoy this one. Cool. That good pick, and as I said earlier, Carcassonne number, number one. one. Yeah, I it it's you know it's still holding true because it really does. I I don't play any other game. I never have more fun playing a game than Carcassonne. Still, even with the expansions, no, I still like. Even I like when, I like Carcassonne. I just won't play it with you because you're a jerk. <laughs> I, I play a real. I, I would gladly enter a tournament with it. I think I'd do all right. But it, it's just it's one of those games that you know I play with my wife still. She still puts up a really good fight. Um, last time we played it, we played it like while waiting for dinner uh, at, at a restaurant. We just played it real quick and enjoyed it. Played it with my son. I, I completely destroyed him. Um, that's what I say. You play like a jerk. <laughs> but she's really good too. Like that's like she's if if I entered well, a tournament, she, I she feel has I would to be good. really good because you play like a jerk. Yeah, and she holds her own with it. Despite <laughs> my best efforts, she's still like well, fifty percent of the time she'll still beat me. Yeah. You know, it's it's just how the how the tiles come out, really. But it's just all the expansions are mostly fun. Um, everything. What, every what, what about the uh, the 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 princess and the dragon? I still have fun with that. Oh, yeah, okay. the only one I don't like is the catapult because it adds dexterity into it unnecessarily. But even <laughs> then, and and even really, the dexterity component of it isn't even that bad. It's just the catapult doesn't work that well. So it's like okay, <laughs> yeah, like take like add in a completely so, absurd. I have a question component. for you. Yeah. You love Carcassonne, the base game and all the yes. expansions. Yep. How do you like some of the standalone games? Like, They're great. I want to try Hunters and Gatherers because I heard that one's really good. It's really good. I'll bring it over. It, it's really good. Um, I, I, that's the only one of the newer ones that I have. I also have New World, um, like where, where they were settling like the East Coast and, yeah. and Westward Expansion. That one's cool. Uh, it does some weird stuff, but... You know, I would even buy, like, the Ark of the Covenant version, like, the religious version of it, yeah. just because the game itself is solid. Um, but, you know, the Gold Rush one looked really fun. I haven't played it. The South Seas ones was cool. I did play that one. Um, there was another one in there, too. Here, here's my question. Mm-hmm. Star Wars Carcassonne. Yeah, I'd play it. <laughs> I, I would totally play it, because <laughs> I don't that is understand a game that the combat. <laughs> yeah. Like, it just it doesn't make sense. But even, like... Like, Carcassonne has all those six mini expansions. Yeah. And some of those are just fantastic. Like, the gold mine one, like, you, you're getting gold by, by placing down the pieces, and those are worth points, like, exponential points and stuff. That's super fun. Um, the the fairies, those ones are fantastic, where you actually, you have a little lake with, like, with three or four ports, and every time you place something connecting to a road to that, you can move this little stick over, and it creates a bridge. It's awesome. Like, even those mini expansions were good. All, most of the big ones were good. Hill and Sheep added it, opportunities where you could put tiles on top of other tiles, making hills on it. Um, the the Carnival one was interesting. The Wheel of Fortune was interesting. And they're all combinable. Yeah. And they're all super cool. Um, it's, it, yeah. Every time I play this, I still am reminded by why I like it so much. And... I, I look at the, my top 10 and I see a lot of these like slowly creeping in on it. I don't know how long it'll last. Yeah. But right now it still holds true. It's still my favorite game. So interesting enough, it was my 278. Yeah. And I'm sure I dropped it a hundred places after <laughs> that one game. Uh, no thanks was ahead of it at 273. <laughs> <laughs> 
Ouch. Okay. All right. Uh, so well, it's uh, all right. Kahuna is still better than Gloomhaven uh, on my list. So no. you know, say what you will. I got you back that way. <laughs> so uh, just going through this uh, quickly, the short list here, or not the short list, it was like 285 games mm-hmm. on here. Some of the ones that didn't make it in was like, I'm surprised Deception Murder in Hong Kong didn't give it in. That's my only social deduction game that I like. Yeah. It was 102. Uh, around the world in 80 days, I was surprised made it to 105. I really enjoyed the game. I just didn't know I liked it that much that it just missed out in the top 100. Uh, underwater cities. One I thought would make it in my top 100 was only at 108. Wow. Yeah. I, I'm surprised micro macro didn't get top 100. Mm. Uh, and I I think it's just because I haven't played it that far yet. Um, Caverna didn't make my top 100. Uh, Almanac wasn't in my top 100 either. It it definitely brought up some interesting parts. Tadam didn't make my top 100. You know what's surprising to me? I, I like Tadam. Yeah. Geek Out was in my top 150. I didn't know I liked it that much. Yeah, Geek Out was one of the last ones. I, I put it on my list to do it, but every time it popped up, it's like, oh, either Geek Out or anything else. It's like, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah, probably anything uh, else. Cribbage was 149. Around the World in 80 Days was 148 for me. Uh, Agricola hit 153. I mentioned that in the one of the past podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Six Nymph was 159. Really, Six yeah. Nymph was actually that that ranked higher than uh, mine. My llama was 185. <laughs> llama was like uh, just above uh, Carcassonne. It was like two. <laughs> Let's see here. Where did I put llama? Llama was 275. It was three spots ahead of Carcassonne. Wow. Uh. Scorpius Freighter was higher than those at 260. You're going to hate this. The crew was number 206. I need to play it more. Yeah, no, I, I dig that game. Pioneer Days was 243. It's, again, something that I have to play some more. Atlantis Rising, second edition, uh, didn't even make it in the top 100. It was 240, yeah. or the, t- the top 200. It was 240. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. King of Tokyo, another big one, 237. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I mean, there's just so many good games. Shobu, uh, <laughs> two twenty-eight. Oh wow, that actually made your two, your top two eighty-five. Yeah, yeah. So that's that surprises me. Uh, Wits and Wagers only hit two eighteen. Uh, Azul. Oh wow, two seventeen. Yeah. Really, like anything in the top, you know, two hundred games of ours was just the liberation of Wrightburg one ninety-nine. Ah, barely made it in. Yeah. Well, th- this has been a really fun list. I'm glad we were able to do it. Uh, this is episode number 100. We want to thank every one of our viewers and listeners to the podcast. Uh, we really do appreciate you for supporting us over this past year year or so. This has been fun. Yeah, it's um, been a good time. And we're going to keep going. Um, I think our next schedule is going to be a top eight debate. We haven't decided what the topic is going to be because... It's going to be five weeks, be, or it's going to be the next week for anybody who listened to us, but those who are watching live, it's going to be about five weeks before it goes onto the audio side. Yeah. So it'll be a little while. We'll probably film it long before that, but we'll yeah. find out. Um, but we really do appreciate everybody for supporting us over these years, all of our Twitch subscribers. Seriously, go follow us on Twitch. Subscribe. Uh, so very wrong about games. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Uno Maestro. Uh, Creative Chaos, all of you guys, you're, you're awesome. We always appreciate you joining us in and adding to the conversation. And we would love for anybody else who likes board games, come chat with us. 
twitch.tv slash everydayboardgames and make sure you subscribe so you can see when we join online. As well as you can find all video re-uploads on our YouTube channel at Everyday Board Games 2020. And if you like what we do, there are three things that you can do to help us grow on the platform. Subscribe if you are not. Like the video and comment down below and tell us your thoughts on the subject. How do you like our top 100 games? This is going to be the fifth video out there, so tell us where where it all falls for you. Who do you align with more, Daniel yeah, or me? Or Daniel. <laughs> all audio versions can be found on most podcast platforms under Everyday Board Games Podcast. This includes Spotify, Google, Amazon Music, and Podbean. And if you ever want to give us suggestions for upcoming episodes, here's to another 100. By all means, contact us, say hello, email us at everydayboardgames2020 at gmail.com. As well as you can get in contact with us at our official Twitter account at EBG Podcast. So we want to thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I've been your host, Daniel. I've been your host, Daniel. And we want to thank you for listening to Everyday Board Games. And remember, every day is a good day for board gaming.